I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Selling a little or a lot? Shopify helps you do your thing however you cha-ching. Shopify is the global commerce platform that helps you sell at every stage of your business. From the launch your online shop stage to the first real-life store stage. All the way to the did we just hit a million orders stage. Shopify is there to help you grow. Shopify helps you turn browsers into buyers with the Internet's best converting checkout. 36% better on average compared to other leading commerce platforms. Because businesses that grow, grow with Shopify. Get a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash work. Shopify.com slash work. Wow. Nice. Yeah. What you're hearing are the sounds of people everywhere putting on Bomba socks, underwear, and T-shirts made from absurdly soft materials that feel like plush clouds. Yeah, that plush. And the best part? For every item you purchase, Bombas donates another to someone facing homelessness. Bombas. Big comfort for everyone. Go to bombas.com slash ACAST and use code ACAST for 20% off your first purchase. That's bombas.com slash ACAST. Code ACAST. Hi, welcome to the Kindness Podcast. In this episode, I sat down with 25-year-old content creator, food and travel blogger, cafe hopper, foodie and social entrepreneur, Anaya Sadiq. In the show, we talk about growing up in the Middle East. We talk about living that digital nomad life and how if you've ever really thought about changing your career, this really is the episode for you. It's a good one. Get a pen and paper. You're going to enjoy this one. My name's Tim Bosworth, and this is The Kindness Podcast. Hi, welcome to The Kindness Podcast. My guest today is international content creator, food and travel blogger, entrepreneur and businesswoman. With a degree in accounting, business finance and management, she escaped the corporate nine-to-five to really refocus on what is really important to her. I think there's times in life where we all have to sort of question what it is we really want. And I think by listening to this, you'll get a real sense of what is actually important to you. It's an absolute pleasure to welcome to the show, Anaya Sadiq. Welcome to the Kindness Podcast. Thank you so much, Tim. I'm really excited to be here. No, it's an absolute pleasure. And um, to quote uh, one of my, my favourite um, psychotherapists, um, Esther Perel, where should we begin? Um a question often asked, but certainly one that I'm intrigued to find out a little bit more about in terms of yourself and the backstory. Um, where were you born? So I was born in the UK. Okay. In a place called Birmingham. Uh-huh. And uh, that's where I was born, but I never actually lived there. So I moved to Saudi Arabia in the Middle East um, when I was around five months old um, because my parents uh, got a job there. So I've actually lived most of my life um, and grown up in the Middle East. And yeah. for most people... Um, those outside of the Middle East, that would sound like quite, uh, quite a, uh, a glamorous, if not certainly a privileged upbringing. What was that like growing up as a child in, in Saudi? 
So growing up in Saudi was, for me, uh, my personal experience, it was an amazing childhood. Um, I'm very fortunate to have grown up there and to have lived there um, and to have had an amazing education there. And um, it's definitely changed quite a lot now um, from when I was living there in the past. Um, But it was only when I came back to um, when I moved from Saudi Arabia to Harrogate when I was 15, did I actually realize the how could I frame this, the, the freedom aspect. So in Saudi Arabia during that time, there wasn't a lot of freedom for like women and like um, in terms of like going out and just like normal day-to-day activities like going to a cinema or going to a restaurant with friends. It was very segregated as a woman there and women don't have a lot of rights there. So it was only when I came to Harrogate that I just realized like the, the contrast in terms of like kids going... like parks and like seeing snow for the first time um but um but yeah and for those listening what is your heritage or your family's heritage so my ethnicity is from pakistan Mm -hmm. uh, in a place called kashmir so that's where my grandparents are from Mm -hmm. and your parents then with the saudi arabia piece was that was more work was it yeah that's correct yeah so i mainly moved to saudi arabia because of my parents jobs Uh lived there for a while now i've known you for a number of years and one thing i i certainly have known uh, to be true is that there's certainly an entrepreneurial flow that runs through your family. Um, and perhaps we can come on to that um, and how that sort of filtered through you and, uh, and your, your siblings. Um, but you mentioned uh, coming from Saudi Arabia and then coming to the UK. How was that as a young uh, Pakistani uh, young lady coming from uh, an area that could be deemed to be quite restrictive uh, from a culture point of view and then coming to um the north of England, for example? Yeah, so moving to Harrogate was like, for me and my siblings, was a complete contrast. Um, But the good thing I learned from Saudi Arabia and going to uh, private school back in the Middle East was you get to interact with people from all around the world. And one thing that teaches you is adaptability. So when I came to Harrogate... um, me and my brothers just kind of blended in, adapted to the society here. And we never really felt like outsiders, per se. Um, and we just kind of got along with the day-to-day and adapted to the life here. And um, it was, like, touch wood, like, it's been amazing living in Harrogate after uh, leaving the Middle East. And, yeah, it's been incredible. And you mentioned um, sort of blending in there. Um, what do you mean by that? Um, I think because... Um, in my school, so I went to St. Aidan's um, in Harrogate. And uh, when I used to tell people, when me and my brothers used to tell people where we were from, we were like, yeah, we've grown up in Saudi Arabia. And a lot of people um, knew where I was from, or they just thought we were like some exotic creatures <laughs> from, this, <laughs> from somewhere else. Um, and obviously we have, I'm Muslim per se, um, and I'd grown up in a Muslim uh, family, so I went to a Catholic school. So just kind of adapting to their kind of culture and their kind of way of life and way of being and just learning from it. Um, but um, and just going with the flow and just respecting everybody else's mm. um, backgrounds and culture, which is very important. Um, and yeah. Important, and I imagine challenging at the same time, because you've got, on the one hand, a, a Muslim family in terms of its belief system whilst being westernized in a western culture and society where the doctrines and the mindset is very western how did you find that kind of duality in terms of uh, how you grew up 
Um, I think in the beginning, it was a bit of a challenge. Um, just kind of trying to balance everything and to obviously my parents raised us up um, with good values and good ethics and have taught us the foundations to our religion and stuff. So I think, um, and they always respect us learning about different cultures. So I think um, in the beginning, obviously it was hard because it was just learning about different um, elements. Um, but over time, you kind of just get used to it and you, you learn more about the, the religion and the faith and just just kind of go with the flow essentially mm. um but no obviously everything in the, everything new to you in the beginning will always be a challenge but you just kind of overcome it and just have the the strength to continue going forward no matter what comes through you no and i think what you're saying is, is so so true um and i was lucky enough in the last um episode of the show to interview my mother mm. um who's from the caribbean and i asked her the question about coming from a small island in the Caribbean to then full circle coming to uh, a small northern town and how that was growing up. And I know myself as uh, a black man growing up in Harrogate, there weren't many uh, black boys or girls that you would see or men or, fa- or families, etc. And I wondered how you felt growing up. Did you feel like the, the only you know, the only individual from the Middle East or the only lady from Pakistan, etc. Mm. How was that for you growing um, up? Yeah, so growing up, um, when moving here, I definitely felt, me and my brothers felt like kind of like an outsider because we obviously, there wasn't anybody from Saudi Arabia that we'd met and there wasn't a lot of, um, I think me and my brothers were the only Muslims in the, in the school at that time. Um, so yeah, it was definitely a adjustment coming from Saudi Arabia when obviously everybody's like Muslim and, um, from all different parts of the world. Um, but, um, yeah, it was, it, it, in the beginning it was a bit weird, but one thing Saudi Arabia taught me was just the ability just to adapt and to adjust. And I think me and my brother is kind of got to grips with it quite fast. And just kind of, even though we felt outsiders, we just kind of did our part and, and took part in every activity possible just to kind of make Harrogate or make the school part of our, our life and our community. And it's, um, yeah, I'm very fortunate for the education I've had here too and the amazing um, education I had at St. Aidan's and them for being so welcoming and opening up to, uh, to allowing us to, to study there. And I think education does that. I think um, the ability to absorb information, to then take that information and allow you to then, as my mother says, you know, you can take anything from me, your watch, your clothes, etc. You can't take your education away from me because that, that's, in, that's in you. What you learn is what's in you. Do you think there is a, um, a belief, a stereotype in terms of how young Asian men and women are perceived? Um, not necessarily. Um, what do you mean by that? Could you expand on it? Sure, sure. Um, so traditionally, there is an assumption that, let's say, for example... Uh, people might have heard of an arranged marriage, for example, or they might have heard of a particular uh, type of area. You mentioned, mentioned Kashmir, for example, mm. but they might have heard of Pakistan. Might have heard, might not have heard of Kashmir, but they might have heard of Pakistan. You growing up in Harrogate, was it, did you feel there was a perception of what individuals from Pakistan were supposed to be or do? Um, not necessarily. I think um, in terms of my family, per se, in terms of um, culturally speaking, I think typically not a lot of um how can I say this um I think because I grew up I'm 
um, let me come back to it. Um, I think living in Saudi Arabia, I was very fortunate to have lived there and grown up there. And I know a lot of people from my background in terms of British Pakistanis would don't have a lot of um, chances or have not had the same life or upbringing as I have. Um, and I think it is because of my upbringing and my experiences and my education that I am where I am today. Um, and I think culturally speaking, um, from our background, it's not known um, for people to um, get education abroad um, or live in a different country. Most people, uh, most of my extended family um, have grown up in the UK their whole lives and that's what they've known. But because me and my siblings, we lived all our life in Saudi Arabia and then moved to Harrogate, we kind of have a different perspective on life um, and a more kind of wider outlook and appreciation for different cultures because we went to international school. So we were exposed to different religions, cultures, backgrounds. Um, we got to travel a lot, so that opened our minds even more. Um, so I think traditionally a lot of um, young Asians obviously don't have that um, background. Um, so, yeah, it's kind of made me who I am today because of the, um, back, the me living abroad and um, the education I've had. So I'm very fortunate for that. One of our... Um guests uh, again previously in the show gentleman by the name of Nick Peel uh, worked out in the Middle East and he talked about his children living out there and what that gave them similar to what you just mentioned the, the opportunity to have international friends from across the world and it opens up your view of the world because you are now exposed to environments and situations that you would ordinarily may not be and I think travel does that and, uh, you know, that segues nicely into you being, you know, quoting your, your social media you know, uh, profile to be this kind of solo traveller, you know, cafe lover, etc. But that wasn't always the, 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 sort of the, the title that, that defined you. You know, you went down a very traditional sort of corporate background. How have you found that transition from being very traditionally corporate to now being sort of a, a free spirit, if you like? Yeah, so the transition in the beginning was quite hard. So I quit my job in London last year in February 2021. Um, and then obviously I had no backup plan after I'd quit my job. I was either going to apply for more jobs in London or I've always wanted to start my own company. Um, and I think um, the transition period in the beginning was a bit hard um, because I really didn't know what I wanted to do in terms of my own company. And it took me a few months um, to then launch my own marketing consulting company, Yellow Social. Um, and from there, it kind of just, it was a kind of a, like a momentum effect. Everything just started happening at the same time and all the little dots and like pieces started coming together. And I'm like, this is what I wanted to do. Um, my passion has always been food, coffee, and creating an impact on businesses. And by running a marketing consulting company for food and coffee brands, I found this is my niche and this is the place where I can, at this point in time in my life, create the biggest impact. Um, but transition period, I think, for my parents was a bit hard because obviously coming back to the culture aspect, um, after all my education and um, 
going to private school obviously it was expected of me to uh, and there was a lot of pressure on me um to go into the corporate field and obviously work my way up and and me saying I was going to quit and be an entrepreneur was a bit of a, a hard pill for my parents to swallow in the beginning but now that I have proven to them the business, I've proven to them um, that I'm happy and this is what I want to do and they're seeing the success out of it, I think they've kind of leaned on to the idea of this is the path for her. But obviously as parents, they just want us to do the right thing and they want us to obviously have the, the, um, the right chances and the right opportunities. And for them, I think because they've always grown up is get the best education, get the best job and work your way up. For me, it was like, yeah, I tried the, I tried the corporate world. I did really well in it. But I'd, for me, it was always, I've wanted to live a life of um, financial independence and location independence. And the company was not going to allow me to do this. So I'm like, how can I create it myself? And I took the risk. It was a very big risk in terms of for my parents too, in terms of like going against their traditional path. Um, but also for me, uh, last year in the pandemic when everybody wanted jobs and I had one and I just wanted to quit and start my own company. Mm. Um, so yeah. That's a challenge I and an opportunity, I would say. 100%, yeah. Because looking back now, so I started my company actually May 26, 2021, which is like two days, <laughs> mm. <laughs> my mm. one year anniversary and like reflecting back on everything I've achieved in this year has been truly insane. Like I would not, like looking back a year, like a year ago, I can't believe I've done the stuff I've done, mm. traveled to Southeast Asia, lived my digital nomad life, life I wanted to live, have clients coming through, money in bank, I've hit my financial targets. It's incredible. Like I, it was always a belief in me that I was going to do it, but I didn't realize how fast it would take. Mm. Um, and it all kind of, like I said, momentum effect. It have all you, happened all at once. Yeah. Um, sorry to interrupt you there. Have you heard, which I'm sure you have, of Simon Sinek's yes. Start With a Why? And that really resonates, I think, with anybody who is listening to this and thinking, gosh, I'm in that corporate job, or I'm in that particular role that I perhaps don't like. The advice he gives, just start with that. Why? Why would you want to travel? And why would you want to be a blogger? Why would you want to be a therapist or whatever career you've always aspired to be? And it's starting with a why. And I suppose the question is that I ask you is, it, why do you or did you want to not live this corporate life? Um, for me, my why has always been to have the freedom. Freedom is a very big thing for me. The freedom just to travel where I want, to make how much money I want, to work with the clients I want. Um, I think my why has always been to create impact and just to have the, the luxury of time and freedom to do more of the things that make me happy and are passionate about. And I don't think I could have done that um, to an extent in the corporate world. And mm. I feel I have a lot of potential that is waiting to be untapped, but I just wasn't heavily utilized um, being a, a consultant. Um, and I wasn't given the freedom just to like work in different countries or... Um, work with the projects I wanted to work on. So I think this is why I do what I do now because of mainly freedom. Do you know, I think a lot of people and your peers, I'm assuming, have this view on freedom. And it's, it's a word that is used, I'm hearing it more often 
now. I want to be free. I want to be free of doing do what I want to do and when I want to do it. And I, and I wonder, is it the view that we've seen our parents and our parents' parents perhaps work and, and work in the real literal sense to an age where, I don't know what the retiring age in the UK is, 60, 65, 70, et cetera, and think, you know what? Nah, that's not for me. And then the thought of working to that age makes them actually think, you know, I need to do something completely different. And the world's changed and the way in which we consume our, our content has changed and the ability to work from a digital perspective means that one can work, but you, as you, I think you mentioned location independent uh, and do so. Um, is that a view that a lot of your peers and people of your age share? Um, I would say a lot of people dream of working anywhere or having the location freedom um, or, yeah, I would say a lot of people dream about it. A lot of my peers obviously want that life. And now that I'm living that life, they obviously, they're like, oh, you know, I, like, I really would like that life, but I can't um, because they're in their corporate jobs. Um, however, there's a very few people who actually, you know, take action and create that life for them. Um, but a lot of people, they want the stability of the corporate job. Um, obviously, if they worked um, a lot in university to get that job they wanted. Um, so it's quite hard for them to transition to this corporate nine to five to a free digital nomad life. Um, and it is a hard transition in the beginning. Um, but everyone thinks it's very easy just to switch. But there's not a lot of people who take the action to do it. So a lot of my peers are in corporate nine to fives. Um, some hate their jobs, some like their jobs, some aspire to, to live the life I'm living, but not a lot of people are in my friendship group are doing living the life I'm living. So why do you think then that you are the anomaly? What is it about you that's made you want to live this life? Um, I would say I've always been a risk taker um, from a young age and I've always been very entrepreneurial. Um, and I wouldn't say I'm an anomaly, but I would just say for me and my friendship group and my family know this is when I want something bad enough, I will do anything to make it happen. Um, and one thing my parents always said to me was, um, you know, I get your degree and then afterwards you can do what you'd like. Um, so for me, like, I, I got my first class degree at York University and having got my degree on the back of me, I'm like, okay, what do I want to do now? Um, what can I do with my degree and my experience to, to live the life I want to live? And for me, it's always been in the back of my head to travel, to work in different countries, to experience different cultures and to create an impact on businesses that I truly care about. Um, so, and because of my upbringing in Saudi Arabia, um, and my parents for exposing me to travel. It's because of them and um, and what my parents do now that inspired me to to do the life that I'm living now. But it was all. I think it's it's a definitely a combination of the environment I've lived in, my my background, my experiences, and how I grew up that has made me the person I am today. Mm. But it's all down to my parents, I would say. And talking of your parents, again, I've known you for a number of years and, and, and certainly your father for a number of years, and I've known that kind of entrepreneurial, I mentioned that spirit earlier on. And do you think then that that sort of rubbed off on you, if you like, you know, that, that ability, I know your mother's got a sort of successful e-commerce business as well, and your, your father works internationally. Has that been something that's rubbed off on you? 
Definitely. I would definitely say that. Yeah, it's because my, my mom runs a chocolate business in Harrogate and my dad works internationally as a restaurant um, a consultant. And I think definitely their experiences and just growing up with them, having seen them start their own businesses and make it success. It's always been in the back of my head that I would like to do this path, but I just didn't know when. Mm. Um, and now I'm living uh, my entrepreneurial dreams. Yeah. Gosh, well, I think many listeners would want to be living that life for sure. Um, Well, look, you know the name of the show, it's called The Kindest. And um, what I want to get an understanding of, as I do with a lot of my guests, so that they can impart any words of wisdom uh, to the listeners, is to get a sense, and I've said this before, to get a sense of what it actually means. Um, Your your social media is Anaya Brew, so there's a a clue there in terms of brewing and and, and coffee and uh, and so on. And perhaps you can tell us a little bit about how that interest in in, uh, coffee uh, came about. But um, what I want to start with is, uh, what does kindness mean to you? I would say kindness can take on many different forms, whether it's an act or a service. Um, Thinking back to my childhood, my parents always used to reiterate this to me, and it would be like, treat others how you would want to be treated. Um, And it's it's always been in the back of my head. And I think regardless of who you are, your background, where you come from, I think you should always treat people with kindness and not really expect anything in return. Um, And yeah, it's all about spreading love, spreading generosity and spreading compassion to those around you and and just being overall kind. Um, It seems like a simple thing, but I think when you actually day-to-day life and you actually do it and like sometimes you're, I don't know, you're not always in the best spirits, but um, I think it's just within us. Like there's this, there's a little bit in us that just wants to be kind. Like you walk past a, a street and there's a homeless person um, asking for money or wanting. I think in all of us, there is that level of compassion. Um, but sometimes people have more of it and some people have less. And I think it's just whoever that person is, you don't know how you can make their day by just truly smiling or acknowledging that they're there. Um, so it can take on many different forms, but I think overall it's just about spreading love, kindness and compassion to all around us without expecting anything in return. Well, you heard it there, everybody. You heard it there. Um, well, on uh, your your social media profile, I keep referring back to that, but uh, it says solo traveller. Um, so um, in your solo travels, um, can you uh, tell us of any examples of, uh, of kindness on your solo travels and uh, anything that sort of uh, jumps out to you? Yeah, so I've been traveling now. um, I was traveling for four months around Southeast Asia and I've experienced so many acts of kindness along my way. Um, If I was to pick one that's coming straight to me, it would be I was traveling to Chiang Mai in Thailand and I met this uh, amazing coffee owner who had stumbled upon their cafe and uh, he kindly um, took me around the whole of Chiang Mai um, was so hospitable to me, invited me over for dinner, um, took me to his grandparents' house up in the mountains because for me, when I travel, I always like to connect with locals and go to like hidden gems and local experiences. So I wanted something that was 
off the beaten track. So uh, he took me to his grandparents' house um, up in the mountains where he has his own coffee farm because I'm super, <laughs> super passionate about coffee. And so I went for the weekend there and his grandmother took me around. It was just like, from, I was a complete stranger when I met him and the amount of kindness and generosity he gave to me during my first week of Chiang Mai really opened up my eyes in terms of like, wow, like there are so many kind people around the world and you shouldn't like, I don't know. It's just people will literally go out the way to do something for you and they won't expect anything in return. Um, so yeah, I've truly met some incredible souls around the world um, who have done things without expecting anything back. And that's really touched me and like opened my eyes to to do the same back um, to other people and to give back. How was that then? So you've just arrived, you're a solo traveller, you know, you you certainly love cafe culture and and the coffee culture, etc. Was that a surprise to you in terms of how this particular individual welcomed you into um, his his home, his grandparents' home? Or was was that that a cultural thing? Um, In the beginning, I was a bit Obviously, I was a bit hesitant because uh, as a solo female traveler, you've got to, you will have these people come to you and like take you around or whatever. And you've always, for me, I've always, I like to be street smart and obviously I don't accept every invitation to go to somebody's house. Um, But I think when you're traveling, you've got to listen to your gut. Um, And I don't know, there was something about him and we kind of bonded over our love for coffee and it took a while over time um, and then he invited me over. But I think we kind of built trust over time. It wasn't just like the first day I arrived and yeah, let's go to your house. <laughs> I wouldn't do that, especially as a solo female traveler. Um, it took time, but um, but yeah, I hope that, that answered your question. No, it, it does. And I, I think um, for those listening, it's one of those questions that I'm sure people ask, because when you, you travel, does it? You arrive somewhere new, you don't know where you're going, you hope that the place that you're going is going to be friendly, it's going to be welcoming, etc. And then to see such gratitude and welcome and, and kindness, some people react to it very indirectly and think, well, hang on, what do they want? Is there an ulterior motive here? When from what you're saying is there was no ulterior motive other than this individual saw that you were a lover of, of coffee and the cafe culture and welcomed your appreciation, the knowledge of that culture and, yeah. and, uh, and welcomed you into his space. I think that's probably the essence of, of kindness as well is, is doing something to others whilst not expecting exactly. no, anything back. And this is the same in Bali too. So I met so many people who like offered so many like things to me, like just like uh, free transport would take me to um, local places. And whenever I used to return the favor, like, I don't know, give them money or a tip or anything, they wouldn't take it. They would say, in our culture, we believe in karma and doing good. And uh, in our faith, we believe that what we give out will come back to us in tenfold somewhere else. And Mm. we just want for you to have an amazing time in our country, which we love so much. And we just want to give positivity and light and kindness to all around and Mm -hmm. to spread the joy. And for you to one day come back and it was just karma so yeah I it's incredible to see because you when I was living in London and stuff (laughs) the people there are obviously everyone's working 
corporate life, stress of life, and and you go into the tube and everyone's miserable, everyone's smiling, and it's like you go traveling and you see all these different people who are just giving things. They don't, they have nothing. They are, they they have the businesses. They are living an adequate life for themselves, but they're happy with what they have and they're still willing to give um, to people who come. Um, whether that's just taking them on rides, giving them food, just opening up their heart in any way possible. And mm. um, whereas you hear it's completely, I find completely different. Like everyone's very reserved and obviously focusing on themselves and not obviously being kind to others. Mm. Um, so yeah, it was very incredible to see no, uh, the level of kindness in different cultures of the world. So those people listening are probably thinking to themselves, okay, look, I want to be a digital nomad. I, I want to be a, a digital entrepreneur and, and get out there and um, not be uh, succumb to sort of the nine to five life. How do they do that? Top tips, please. Top tips. So I've just started. <laughs> I left Christmas Eve last year. Um, and from my journey, if I was to give some top tips, um, number one, just take risks. Um, if you have something you want to do, if you're passionate about a certain topic or you've always wanted to do a certain career, just feel the fear and do it anyway. I do this with everything I do. Like even me doing this podcast today, I was super scared coming to do it, but I'm like, Inaya, feel the fear and do it anyway. Like what's the worst going to happen? And I think to be a digital nomad, you have to be tenacious. You have to just be ambitious and be a go-getter and fear and risks and obstacles are going to come your way and even when you're traveling especially by yourself you're going to experience a lot of difficult moments and it's within you to overcome that um so yeah so in conclusion if you want to be a digital nomad uh take risks believe in yourself and enjoy the journey um, there are up, traveling around the world. Everybody sees the highlights on Instagram, and they think I live like this glamorous life, moving from country to country. And don't get me wrong, like I really enjoy the life I've created now. But there's a lot of behind the scenes that I just don't show: the hard work, the grafting, the working. What is um, that? What is the hard work and the grafting? So obviously, that I don't just travel. I travel all the time. I live in different countries, and I travel. Um, but in order for me to travel and work, travel and live in different countries, I run my own business. So I still, I run my consulting business for food and beverage brands. And then on the side, I have my um, uh, in our Bruce page on Instagram where I work with food and travel brands. So I'm constantly working on the side of traveling. Um, but there's just like, it's trying to have a balance between the travel and the work and Often I only show the travel bits and I don't really show the work bits and the hard work, the early hours mm. to do the work before traveling or, um, but obviously what it took before, um, leaving the country, the, you've known this when I was in the library working day in, day out to start this company and everybody now sees me living this dream life, but nobody realizes what it took for me to get to this position the years of hard work, the years of me working to get this business up and running, the belief in myself, um, dealing with my parents in terms of going the different path. Um, it wasn't luck. Uh, it took a lot of work in order for me to live this dream life now. So 
Um, that's what I always like to reiterate. It's like, yeah, you see the glamorous side on Instagram, but just know that it's going to take a lot of hard work for you to transition from a sure. corporate nine to five to a digital nomad life. But if you're willing to put in the work and you believe in yourself wholeheartedly, you can achieve anything you want. So where is the, um, the end point? You know, you, you touched on, quote unquote, the glamorous Instagram life, but that life has a life expectancy and there'll be a new Instagram and there'll be a new TikTok and whatever the latest cool thing is. Does this digital lifestyle that you envisage to be your dream life, does it have an expiry date? And how do you, where are you in 10 years time, 20 years time? Tell us briefly how you see that for yourself as where you are. Yeah, so I do think, I definitely think with everything comes an end point. And for me, I don't envisage having this digital nomad life forever. Um, I'm 25 years old now and I would like to um, test this, but also live this lifestyle for a few years, um, work, travel in different countries, um, and then see where life takes me. Um, At this moment in time, I don't have a lot of commitments um, and I have the luxury of being young to do this. And I think this is the time to do it, to live this life, uh, travel, work, um, and along the journey, you'll learn different things, you'll figure out different parts. Um, obviously, I want to continue scaling my business, continue growing my brand, and most importantly, to inspire others to follow their dreams, live the life they want to live without waiting like for years. Because so, everybody like works in the corporate world until they retire. Um, and then when they're old enough, they're like, okay, let's use all this money to go traveling. But for me personally, I think at that age, it's, you don't have the energy you have whilst you're young to experience these things. And if COVID taught people one thing is that life is so short and you never know what's around the corner. And for me, that's always in the back of my head. And it's like, I can either stay in the corporate world, work, build, climb up the ladder. And then when I'm 40, 50, go traveling and do these experiences now, or I can flip the equation have these experiences now, grow even more, build my own business and my own brand, and then see where life takes me. Um, It's a risk. It's a risk I'm willing to take, but I'm really excited for the journey and where this journey takes me. I've just started since Christmas Eve last year. I booked a one-way ticket to Thailand, and yeah, I'm, I'm just ready for the ride and embracing everything and anything that comes my way. You know, I'm, I'm smiling as you're, as you're talking and uh, I'm smiling because I'm, I'm hearing, um, I'm seeing a pattern with, with um, and excuse me um, if uh, this sounds patronising, I'm hearing a pattern with individuals of your age, which is the journey, my own brand, my own lifestyle. Do you think that's something that seems to be um, something that a lot of individuals your age feel as if they can go and do anything they want to do? create their own brands, if you like, go on this kind of life journey, if you like. Is that something that's just become normalised, that just go do it? I think so now, more so. We live in this, like, social media age where a lot of us or the people that we follow, whether that's creators, influencers, people, um, just normal people who are quitting their jobs, chasing your dreams and just not accepting just the standard quote, of just living a corporate life. And I think what we see on social media is like a lot of people just living the dream. Um, And I've seen 
um, throughout the, the months and the years, um, a lot of people quitting their jobs or doing a job that's more aligned to their passions or actually, you know, taking that leap of faith and just going full out in their digital nomad business um, or becoming a digital nomad. Um, so I do think there's a lot of change in our kind of millennial world now. A lot of people want that freedom, uh, especially in COVID, people working from home and um, suffering from like mental health or just not feeling accepted or knowing what they want to do. Um, and then people go on social media as like their stimulus. They're like stimulated by like seeing these pictures or people just walking on beaches, for example. So I do think there's a there's a big change happening. But then obviously a lot of companies are adjusted to it by allowing workers to work in different countries. So, yeah, there's a big change happening. But, um, yeah, a lot of people, especially my age, are uh, moving through that path, which is great to see because I think everybody should to experience it once in their life. Um, which actually leads me uh, nicely on to uh, our second question. But it's, it's, I always, when I, I sigh there, because I always think, oh, is this a really a, a, a sad or morbid question? But I don't think it is. Um, I think it's one that I think a lot of our listeners will allow themselves to just take stock on. Um, and it's a question you can ask yourself retrospectively, which is, if you were to die tomorrow, what do you do differently to be the kindest in the room? That's a good question. Um, if I was to die tomorrow, what would I do differently? I would say being 100% present. Um, yeah, I would say being 100% present and being appreciative of the small gestures and the little things. For example, smiling, saying good morning, um, just like the little details. I think they go such a long way um, in just generally being kind. For example, like you can have a bad day, but walk into a coffee shop and because somebody smiled at you, it generally lifts your mood. And I think having a more of appreciation for accepting those small gestures, but also giving it back in return, um, can have such a profound impact. Where do you become so, where have you become so philosophical? Um, I don't think I'm that philosophical. Yeah, yeah, I get that, yeah. <laughs> philosophical. <laughs> philosophical. I don't, I don't philosophical. think I'm that philosophical. Yeah. Um, I would just say I, I enjoy reading a lot of books. I enjoy speaking to people from all different backgrounds and throughout my travels and my experiences, I try and learn from everybody I meet. Um, and I think everybody has a story to share, a wisdom to share, or an experience that you can learn from. So I always like to be a sponge and absorb from everybody. And I think because of that, it's made me question, think, reflect, and uh, be who I am today. So I think it's just a combination. <laughs> yeah, it's definitely. Well, we spoke off mic as well about some of the, the books that we were reading uh, and the podcasts that we were listening to, and again, for the benefit of the listeners. And um, what are you reading at the moment? So currently I'm reading a book um, called Atomic Habits. And um, yeah, I've just started it, but it's an incredible book all about building habits for the long term in order to have a successful life in all areas. I think a lot of us build these short-term habits, whether it be 
take example of losing weight. I'm going to lose weight by in six months by cutting off this. Okay, you get to that point in six months time and you've lost that weight. But did you actually build the healthy eating habits? Did you build the, the solid gym routine? You just cut out certain aspects. So I think, yeah, it's a great book. Um, definitely recommend for anybody um, wanting a new book. Uh, James read. Clear is, is the author. Yes. Uh, uh, James, because if you want to search for that um, as well. Uh, and any, any podcasts that you're listening to or anyone you, uh, you listen to at the moment? Uh, there's an amazing one called The Kindest. <laughs> do you see what I did there? I, uh, I, I, I highly I, recommend yeah. you guys check it out if you want to learn from amazing people. <laughs> I teed that rather nicely there. Um, it's of interest to me, um, as it is every single time um, that I'm asking the questions. And I've done this on a couple of occasions, which was to ask the guests if they had uh, a question for me, uh, which will then lead me on to uh, my final question. But I mean, do you have any questions for me? What made you want to start The Kindest? And that seems to uh, uh, be a, a pattern we've seen uh, a couple of times um, on the show. Um, and for those who are listeners, and, and this is the part of the show where I think I have to say, yeah, don't forget to comment, like, and subscribe. But for those who have not heard the show before, um, the brief answer is, uh, I suppose it's uh, a love letter and a thank you to my mum. Um, who I had on the show last week. And it was really just about capturing moments, essentially. It's about um, finding out the patterns to kindness. You know, if there is a pattern to kindness in terms of where we work, is there a pattern to kindness in terms of people and cultures and communities? And off the back of that, I indirectly am learning myself. The show was one of the sort of the, the early sort of, I suppose, phases of the the concept was going to be called a kindologist, like a psychologist. So I was actually going to think about me learning myself and my guests were on sort of physical, sort of the metaphorical uh, psychologist couch. And so the idea for me is that I learn and my guests hopefully learn and then the listeners, listeners indirectly learn what it is to be kind. And, that, and that's sort of the, the journey piece really um, in, in, in a short way is to see that there is a pattern and, and over the period of the various episodes and seasons that we do, we'll be able to go, ah, you see, the main pattern is, the kindness is X. And then we'll be able to sort of like look at that and, and, and um, hopefully allow that to sort of digest that and distill that and go, that is the essence of, of what it means. Um, but there are, you know, certainly there are, there are plans uh, for the future of the show, but that in essence is why I set the kindness. A, a love letter to my mum and say, thank you for, for, uh, for, for being who she is. Oh, I hope so. I hope so. Um, We've reached that part of the show, which is it's near the end. Um, I hope it hasn't been uh, too uh, scary for you. Um, but uh, the final question, um, if you don't mind, um, and you, you kind of touched on it earlier on, uh, to be fair, but uh, for the purposes of, of sequencing and, and uh, making sure it's in, in the right order, is what one piece of advice would you give somebody to live a kinder life? Great question to end. Um I think kindness starts with ourself. Um, if you want to change for the better for all of us uh, on this planet, you must first seek to change ourselves first. Um, being kind, showing gratitude, and sharing compassion are important traits that we all can live by. And I think they're an essential to manifesting a better world for all of us. Um, 
there's this great quote by Mark Twain, and he says, kindness is a language which the deaf can hear and the blind can see. So, so true. Yeah, great quote as well, actually. So, so true. Um, so where can uh, our listeners uh, reach out to you and find out a little bit more about what you're doing? So I, you can reach out to me on my Instagram page, Inaya Bruce, uh, my first name and Bruce. And uh, for my marketing consulting business, it is under the name Yala Social. And uh, you can reach out to me on any of those platforms. How do you spell connect. that? Sorry if you don't mind me. Uh, so it's Y-A-L-L-A-H and social um, for my marketing consulting business for food and beverage brands. But you can reach out to me on any of those platforms to connect and uh, follow me along my journey as I start this digital nomad life. Oh, gosh. And you know what? Uh, I think anybody listening um, to this, sitting in their houses or their flats or at the gym or wherever they listen to the show would you think oh, yeah well, wouldn't it be like if I was actually living that life and it can actually happen and it's not just a cliche a sort of a an aspiration that um is beyond yourselves it, it can happen if you make it happen I think uh, from listening to Anaya today all you have to do is to quote the sports brand is, is just do it um and I you have been the kindest in the room it has been a pleasure Thank you very much for coming on the show. And I, I hope to uh, perhaps see you on a beach one day in Bali uh, when we have the, uh, the live uh, version of the Kindness Podcast. It's been a pleasure, my darling. Thank you so much. And I'll be waiting for you. <laughs> <laughs> pleasure. Thanks, and I. Take care. Take care. Thank Bye-bye. you. Bye-bye. Serves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings, from premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And it's all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash pack for free shipping and 365-day returns. Imagine the softest sheets you've ever felt. Now imagine them getting even softer over time. That's what you'll feel with Bowling Branch's organic cotton sheets. In a recent customer survey, 96% replied that Bowling Branch sheets get softer with every wash. Start getting your best night's sleep in these sheets that get softer and softer for years to come. Try their sheets with a 30-night guarantee. Plus, get 15% off your first order at BowlingBranch.com. Code BUTTERY. Exclusions apply. See site for details.